Hello there and welcome to the latest episode of the Sith Taker Snapshots podcast. I'm your host for today, Rich Polly, and joining me is Ben Hibbert. Hello. Hi, Ben. Yeah, uh, how are you doing? You all right? Yeah, I'm good. Cool, cool. Uh, and also joining us all the way from the west coast of Ireland, from his holiday location. I don't know. I was about to say caravan or hotel or something, but I've no idea where you are. It's Cormac Higgins. Let's get to the business. How's it going, man? Hello there. Um, yeah, it's very, very good. It's uh, a bit cold and dreary at the West of Ireland, but to be fair, it's pretty nice at the same time. It's pretty cold and dreary across the entirety of the UK at the minute, I think. It's just, we had an early spring and then it realised that it had got out of bed too early, so it went back to sleep. So um, <laughs> Anyway, so Cormac has joined us, so we were going to try and get Cormac and Dale on at the same time last week, but because of, you know, having just travelled back from Chicago and was on his way to um, Ireland for his holiday. Um, Cormac was unable to record, so we've got him to come back on this week. So we are going to touch back again on Adepticon um, a little bit like we did last week. Um, But we're going to try and approach it from a slightly different angle um, in how we're discussing what we're going to discuss. Just a couple of things that have come out in terms of news but not formal news um so um asmodee germany um one of their representatives did an interview with the german armada community and he said a couple of things that are of interest to the x-wing community um and i'm going to keep it brief because um we've kind of got some too long don't read can't listen notes from um one of the Discord servers, um, which basically says, um, Asmodee has had some feedback concerning AMG's methods of communication, um, and it's not easy to find. So hopefully that means that Asmodee are going to tell AMG to make the communication more centralized. Following up on that, uh, there's apparently a Star Wars focused website planned to launch in May 2022 uh, from Asmodee to centralize all Star Wars stuff, which is good. And then the kind of the big news is that AMG have announced a world's qualifier in Europe in Hanover in Germany on the 29th to 31st of July 2022 for all Star Wars games. So obviously includes X-Wing. Um, top four will qualify for Worlds and the winner will get a flight in a hotel paid for to wherever Worlds is going to be. Um, and then there is also news of a, um, another European Worlds qualifier somewhere in the UK has been planned, but nobody knows where it is or when yet. Although everybody thinks it's going to be at the UK Games Expo, but we don't know. Um, and then another European Worlds qualifier in Italy, which isn't yet locked in. Um, so there's no confirmation about whether or when it's going to be. Um, so bit of news, some events. Anybody planning to go to any of them? I mean, I always say I'm going to go to all of them, but... We'll have to see what the boss lady says. <laughs> yeah, I think I'm I'm kind of in the situation. I'd like to go to some of them, but it's trying to work out, okay, when are they? Can you get to them? Like, get UK Games Expo is really expensive if there's one there. It's just, you know, trying to plan. Yeah. For us, and, if and knowing Games Expo, we can be. always just drive for the day, can't we? I know, but it's a pain. And yeah, especially no, but... if you make cut, do you sleep in your car? I mean, I've <laughs> slept in worse places. <laughs> I mean, it would be great if they just communicated the dates, but obviously they've got logistics to, to lock in um, before they can do that. So um, we did see a, a message where one of, um, I think it was Chris Burnett, messaged the UK Games Expo and basically said, are you having X-Wing this year? And they said, yes, we are. <laughs> so it was like, right. Okay, so we can put two and two together. They they, they think they're having X-Wing and we think there's going to be a UK 
um, based event and previously there have been events at the expo so um, but again until something's committed a lot of people don't want it to sink the few hundred quid it's going to be for hotels for that weekend because it's expo weekend and it's the big bank holiday weekend so it's the queen's jubilee um bank holiday extended bank holiday weekend so it's um it's going to be expensive to get there it's going to be expensive to stay there so it'll and be... richard's garden party i am having one I, am. <laughs> I might even buy a wee union jack and stick it up I don't know it's around about the same time my irish passport will be turning up to make transit easier around europe <laughs> hypocrisy my name is easier life thank you very much um, leave the rest of your family to struggle but you'll just wander off through fine yeah, I'll be, I'll, no, I mean, the, the kids are, have Irish passports or will have Irish passports as well. So to be honest, I'll be wrangling a couple of bored kids who've just got off a long haul flight and my wife will be standing in blissful isolation in a two hour passport queue. <laughs> it's me that's going to suffer, really. Um, so anyway, that that's that. Um, back to um, Adepticon. So Cormac, you did one better than Dale because Dale went 4-2 and missed cut, but you went 5-1 and made cut. How was the event for you? Um, it was really, 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 really good. Um, I I suppose there was a degree of trepidation before we even went there because obviously this was the first 2.5 event and the rules had only dropped about two and a half, three weeks before we went and we had planned to go to this for a couple of months. We had said, okay, it's going to be the first official tournament. They had Gold Squadron had announced this, but we had obviously no rules. We had no, we didn't know what was going to be happening. So there was a big degree of nervousness about what it was going to be like. Um, an even bigger degree of nervousness because we expected that the COVID, um, regulations would be gone in America by that time, but you still had to have a lateral flow the day before you went. So that was pretty uh, nerve-wracking on the day before going, uh, I really hope this is negative. I hope it's negative. Um, <laughs> but thankfully it was. And so all in all, we're kind of like going, oh, is this going to be good? Is it going to be worth it? Like you're flying across the bloody world. It better be worth it. Um, and we went and it was really, really, really good. And it was really positive experience. And like you had whatever it was, 180 people. And overall, everyone there was quite positive. Like, I mean, there were pluses and minuses, and we'll probably go into some of those. But overall, everyone was just happy to be meeting up again. Everyone's happy to be playing X-Wing again, rolling dice, going, what, oh, what scenario are we doing? How we, you know, what's happening? Um, it was just, it was which so. Which one is that? Yeah, which one is that? Um, <laughs> how, how do we set up the middle thing again? What? Um, and, but it was just really, really positive and it was great. And it was kind of, it was an interesting one because if you, if you looked at every, all the discourse that's on Facebook and as usual, everything, if you drew, we're just look, following social media, you think, oh, you know, nobody likes 2.5. It's all terrible. And, it was really good to be in a room full of people who were like, this is X-Wing. It's a different X-Wing, but it's fun and we're playing and, you know, it's great to be meeting up again. And it was such a positive experience. Like when I came back, I was like trying to say to everyone, it's really good. You know, it's great. We're, you know, X-Wing, big events are back. It's brilliant. Yay. Um, 
So yeah, but, but people like, in social media, you were saying that people in social media were going where was like, was it actually good or were you just on a buzz because you were at a convention yeah. playing X Wing? Is it, you know, yeah. and, and like, like oh, yeah. it's good and both. Can, and it's both. Be both. And it, yeah. yeah, exactly. And I think that that it was it. Like it was, we were myself and Dale were, I suppose, on board with two point five anyway. So we were already approaching it from a positive mindset. But it was just really fun. It was really really fun, and I think. It reminded you of all the positives of going to a convention and going to an event and playing X Wing, and um, and I think there are a couple of things that I, I know Marcel, for example, um, talked about in Gold Squadron. Actually, one of the interesting thing about the scenarios and everything else was the time. And actually, what we found was probably didn't have enough time to talk to everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, we were lucky; we were there a few days beforehand, but it was actually would have been nice to spend even more time just talking to people yeah just catching up like because mm. it's it's a weird thing because we've had this kind of to quote doctor who wibbly wobbly timey wimey period for two years where like no time has passed but two years worth have passed and some people have played an awful lot of x-wing um on tts and some people have played a handful of games on kitchen tables and and very little else um and so the community has kind of flexed and people have joined the community who who didn't really play prior to covid you know they they picked stuff up a few months before and hadn't really got to a tournament um and then kind of cut their teeth on tts so it's it's been interesting to see the transition in back into real life play um and i mean i i'm kind of heartened to hear your your take on playing in person playing 2.5 in person because um basically when i play 2.5 down the club on a tuesday night or on tts or whatever i have a good time i'm not sure if i'm not sure if it's as much fun for me as version two but i enjoy playing it so you know and i'm into x-wing it's my only minis game it's the only minis game i've ever played because it's it's star wars um so i love it um that's that's my angle of approach um and you know then as you say if you read social media you get an awful lot of kind of negativity and downward comments where people just don't want to engage in the game and they they almost want to see it fail and they're trying to break it in some way like when they do play they're trying to play it in as negative a way as possible to prove that it's bad and it's like well you're kind of setting yourself up there just to not have fun um instead how's about trying to have fun but you know, I do see a bunch of the points that they make as as valid, and I think there is a lot of valid feedback that's come back from Adepticon. Um, as you mentioned earlier, we'll touch on that later. Um, I do just want to talk a little bit about your run, but we're not going to go through full bat reps. You got to top eight, is that correct? Top sixteen. Top sixteen, and you got knocked out by the eventual winner. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, I got knocked out by Nathan. Yeah, so a little bit of Republic on Republic action. Um, can you just quickly um, give us a quick run through the list that you took and just uh, some of your choices? Because uh, yes, you, you had a couple of more unique pieces, I would say. Yeah, so I like I have gone down a Republic rabbit hole for the last two years. Um, like bearing in mind, two years ago when Republic came out, I'd never watched Clone Wars. I was not a big fan. I didn't even know who Ahsoka was, etc. Um, and then I started playing Republic and then I started watching Clone Wars and then I went, oh my God, this is amazing. I am pretty much just playing Republic now. And, um, it's always the joke in the, uh, 186 where it's like, 
Oh, what list has Cormac come up with? Oh, well, it's obviously going to be some kind of Republic-y, salady thing. So um, that's what I've been playing for the last two years, pretty much, on and off. And that's kind of where I started with for 2.5, because turns out salad lists that do kind of Swiss Army knife, lots of different things, are pretty good in that situation. So I had... Um, Started off with like just a lot of different Jedi, and then I found that actually I was going to try the Anakin in Anetta. Seven points seemed a bit too expensive, but I was going to give it a go. He's quite lucky because he can have he's got the loadout, so he can have shield, which I found really really helpful. Um, and he can have malice, which is just horrible. Like I mean, it is a horrible piece of hi. I've just done three crits on you you're probably dead oh yes you are oh sorry about that um so i i kind of i've rolled some dice and when i finish spending mods i've got three crits yes yeah and and it's almost the the horrible bit when you know what's going to happen but you know they don't know it yet and you're like going um this is changing into a crit that's changing into a crit that's changing into a crit yeah, I'm pretty sure he's dead, and you're kind of like, oh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm having to reveal this to them, piece by piece, and it, it, <laughs> and you not... also get two force back for the privilege of it. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, although you'd be the amount of times that that turned out to be, oh look, ship Chris, ship Chris, ship Chris. <laughs> you're like, is there anything else in there? Um, so that was that was the kind of I started playing that and was like going oh I, I think this is probably too expensive seven points is an awful lot um, but it turns out you know a reliable crit mechanic um, particularly in short term number matches if you can reliably kill something pretty quickly then it's really really good um, and I think particularly when we started seeing lists that were you know a lot of lists now have three agility shifts and if you can just say right. I'm going to take an auto blaster and just do three damage to your ship. Then that probably has a good chance of killing it. If not, I'll definitely kill it the next turn. Um, that's really, really helpful. So Anakin, Ahsoka it, with Chopper, she's just excellent. Really, really good solid piece. And the fact that she has essentially three actions a turn it's means crazy. that she can just get wherever she needs to do be has the action efficiency to do a scramble or to pick up a crate. If she needs to tank up, she can have the chopper evade, so she can have focus evade um, for that turn when she really needs to try and avoid damage. Um, yeah, just super solid. And the jam is helpful, but actually in a lot of games the jam doesn't even become relevant because it's just a case of giving her free evade for a couple of turns. That's all. I've been um, playing a little bit of Ahsoka Chopper, and I, I was a big proponent of putting Chopper on a higher initiative ship um, for a, a, for a long time. I've been playing about with it um, over the last couple of years, and um, I was I, I didn't believe in Ahsoka, and I saw you playing her a bit in version two in a couple of games, and then I was like, oh, I still prefer it on. Oh, I've put it on Ahsoka now, and I'm zooming around the board, and it's just like, yeah, I'll just. I'll fly through that chaff cloud, and because I've got stress, that doesn't matter because I'll still just spend a force to 
take my my Ahsoka action, so I've still got a focus and I've still got my other force point. So, you know, I'm still good. And if I don't take the if I don't take the stress, I can just take three actions anyway and burn the jam that I get by you know taking an Ahsoka action and then take my other action, the one that I actually want. Um, and it's just you know she she just laughs at an off at so much of the um the the stuff that shuts down actions. She just laughs at it, and I mean. Chopper's been nerfed now in inverted commas because now for both effects you have to fully execute. Um, so you can't just crash into stuff and take an evade and and then crash into stuff and jam it. You have to actually land um, before you can you can do that. But um, it's still crazy good because you can just dial casual almost because it's a Jedi and be like, oh, if you block me, I guess I'll just take a red focus because my dial's good enough to handle it. But yeah, it's such a good piece. Yeah, um, it's great, and uh, we, like we saw a lot of Ahsoka actually at, at the weekend. Um, and for four points, it's really, 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 really solid. Yeah. Um, then on top of that, I, the obvious contrail is obvious. So two points, he's really, really good. Um, like his ability is, if it happens, great. It happens quite a lot, I would say, with objective play because often you're setting him up across from an objective, and you know they're going straight forward and you know contrail is going straight forward so you're actually getting his ability off quite a lot of times um his ability's easier to get off than i thought because i always thought that bearing meant left or right bank but it's not it's just bank or straight or turn or well this is one of these this is one of these where i have been told that it has to be to the left with the bearing that bearing includes two things the direction and the type. Now, again, that's the way I've been playing it, but I would like it to be the other way. Because I read the rules for bearing, and I thought to myself, "Ah, so unless there's another paragraph hidden somewhere in the rules reference that I've missed so far, which there might well be. um, There could easily be, yeah. yeah. Because But but I've been playing it that way, where where it's like, has to be the same term, which gets a bit more awkward, because... It's like, oh, look, have you done a hard turn to the left? No, hard turn to the right. Okay, right, fine. But equally, you're not really worried about his ability. He is just there as two points to be annoying, basically. Yeah. Um, and then my other parts were Ad Mace, who's basically just a really solid Jedi. Three force means that, again, a lot of times what I was finding, I was focusing a lot more on objectives and using Anakin to be the aggressive piece. But Mace meant with his three fours meant that you could just say, okay, well, I'm going to sit here with an evade. And if you try and kill me, you're probably not going to. Um, And then next turn, I'm going to do a K turn and get another force back. And I've got R4P on 17 on it. So I'm going to then do another evade. So again, if you probably try and kill me, you're probably not going to achieve it. Um, a big part of my list was just having three die ships that were not going to die easily, really. That was the, the, the key component of it. And then the last bit was Click, um, who had elusive R3 as usual, and then a Connernet. And the Connernet was great because, as usual, in 2.5, you just don't know what's on your opponent's list. So the amount of times it was like, Okay, I'm dropping the Connernet. Oh, yeah. That's, you're dropping the Connernet there. I'd forgotten about that. Yeah. We had a warm up game, didn't we, just before Adepticon? And I was like, 
oh, you've got a con in it, haven't you? And you're like, I was hoping you'd have missed that. <laughs> mm. so, some of the conclusions we came to after um, 2.5 was, you, after all the practice games before we went to Adepticon, it was kind of, we came to conclusions that you have to be thinking to yourself going, um, do I need to target lock here? Because if I target lock, I'm probably doing some kind of Ursa Ren shenanigans that's benefiting my opponent. Do I need to take a shot here? Because if I shoot, I'm probably doing nothing, and yet I'm just giving them some kind of trigger that's helping. And do they have a bomb? If I can remember those three things, I'm probably in a good position. Yeah. Sorry, sorry to sorry to just interrupt with something. I was I was just looking for the um, tabletop TO page, <clears throat> and when I searched it, there is actually one for the Games Expo already by Chris Ooh. Mitchell. Ooh. So it says it's on the four, uh, sixth or fourth. But I'm guessing that's when he made it, so it's not. Um, fully, but there's there's information starting to be published on it. Fourth of the sixth, that'll be fourth of June. Uh, yeah, sorry. I'm, yeah, yeah. yeah, just getting used to reading the American way. Yeah, um, there you go. Well, well then, the detective Clouseau so. that is Ben Hibbert has come. <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, it, it just just back to back to your your list choices. I mean, it was a five ship it was a five ship Republic list. We saw the saw that five ship Republic list one. We've seen um, some stats in inverted commas um, for the Republic lists, which showed that I think every list apart from yours had Barris, and every list had con- had Contrail that finished in cut. This is um, so you didn't opt for the the budget value Jedi Barris off me. Um, instead, you went for Anakin because most people went for Obi in the Etta, um, and then. Barris, but you went for Anakin because he has the initiative and I guess the the extra loadout you, you mentioned before for the shield. Um, yeah, like I, the, the the problem I found, and I think this is also, I suppose, an indication of when you're playing or when you're practicing, who you're practicing or playing against. Because I did a lot of practice games against people who are running quite um, front loaded damage lists. So, example, I did a lot of games against Dale, and Dale was running his Hera and Wedge with Proton Torps. And all I kept finding was my Jedi are just disappearing. Um, And because I had Anakin, at least I knew I was only going to be losing a shield. I always had an evade, and I was always going to be losing a shield and a curse, Um, which wasn't great, but it was better than having Obi where I was potentially losing a ship on that first engagement yeah so i I think and that's it's an interesting thing because it also depends on who you're playing against and what they're flying against you may indicate what choices you actually take because i was more worried about having um a ship that wasn't going to die rather than nathan's list say where he's got two different ships that are doing offensive damage Mm -hmm. yeah yeah i've i've played um nathan's list last week at club um for three rounds and it was it's 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 interesting because that Anakin Y wing really does it threatens the things that the two dice Jedi guns can't threaten. Um, so it it fills a it fills a blank in squad building, and that's I think the thing that you know people who we've spoken to before and we talk to online who who are good at squad building, who are list architects almost, um, are always like you know build your list. 
then look at the things that your list is weak against and then figure out how you change your list to give you a better chance against the things that you're weak against. And I think that's what that Anakin Y-Wing brings to the, the five ship Republic is it makes you better against the things that you would otherwise be weaker against. But that list that Dale's been flying, and I know Ollie Pocknell's been flying something very similar as well, um, that's built specifically to counter Jedi. Because um, it's like, yeah, you know, br- bring your Jedi over here and I'll shoot two, tor- two double-modded torps at you um, at I-6, and we'll see what's left after that. Um, so I got, I got, I, we played a practice game, I think it was on the Thursday before we get Decticon, and I was just a broken man. I was just sick of facing that list and just sick of him going, right, there you go, there's a double-modded proton torp into your Anakin. Right, you're taking this damage. I was like, no, I, I can't do anything. I can't. Do <laughs> so, so we kept every during the actual event. We were like going, ooh. Uh, when I went to, I had one loss, and then he had one loss. I going, oh, please don't be prepared. Please don't be prepared. Please don't be prepared. Because I think I would have just absolutely broken down and walked out if I had to play that bloody list again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's. Um, I mean, it's got. It, it's interesting because it's coming into the meta almost like. Jedi are really, really good at so many different things. Um, so, you know, they're very good at scenarios because they've got the action economy because they've always got their force point. Um, you know, you can load them up with three dice guns because people like Obi's Eta, Plo's Eta, and Barris can take missiles. So you can put missiles on them so that they've got a three dice attack with instinctive aim. It's single modded, but whatever. Um, and then, you know, you've got these rebel lists that are just these enormous big, like kind of Rube Goldberg, machines with like seven ships that all just do different things or um just have you know this enormously powerful high initiative alpha strike um so i made a list that was um four i5s plus ezra in a tie fighter um with double modded attacks and action economy and everything all over the place um and it's uh yeah it's just you know, you just look at it and go, if I get my first engagement right, there's nothing that they can do. Um, and the higher you punch, the higher an initiative you punch at, then the like there's even less that you can do to challenge it. But I guess, you know, there then comes the point where you've got the, the scum big boys who can suck down those two proton torpedoes. Um, and it really hurts them and it halves them and leaves them limping and crippled, but they're not dead. Uh, and then they're firing back with all of the nonsense that they can deploy. Um, <laughs> so it's it's interesting. And I, I came to a realization that I think that in a world full of incredibly powerful lists, it is familiar to the end of version one to me, because in a world where you had, you know, Ghost Fen, 300 or 100 point Miranda, you know, and a couple of other, you know, don't, five don't X. Yeah, the good old play that Miranda. <laughs> But, you know, you, you've lists like that that all kind of countered each other. And at the top end of tournaments, it was really like, well, if you're not flying one of these three things, then you're 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 hamstringing yourself. You know, you, you're deliberately making your life harder um, because these are these are the things you need to, to fly to do well in a tournament at the minute. Um, and it does feel like Rebel and Republic are almost in that space at the moment. Um, that you know, if you are going to go to an event and you want to do well, then you know, count to twenty on Rebels and Republic, um, chase some crit mechanics, a few other bits and pieces. Um, so I mean, I, I guess it that kind of counters uh, or segues us in. Is, uh, I should say actually, Cormac, before we move on, are there any 
of your games at Adepticon that kind of stand out in your mind as being like, oh, that was an awesome game. There was something cool that happened. You know, do, is any particular war stories you want to pick out? Well, like I suppose, I, I think this is a, maybe a, it fills into filter, filters into a more broader point where the games that I had at Adepticon. The I had some ex- really really excellent games, and what I've found with, with everything with two point five is it all comes down to balance. If you're playing against lists that are similar-ish power level or number level, so if you're five ships against six ships or five against five or something along that lines, if you've got players who have played with objectives and know what they're doing with objectives, um, then the games are excellent. And I've actually had like some of my games at Adepticon were really, really solid. Um, I think I played against, uh, one of the most interesting ones was I played against Mark Grauberg, I think one of the um, scum, the top scum player, um, which was slightly worrying because first turn I dialed click the wrong direction. So first turn, instead of click running away from the big horrible Bosk, click decided, yay, I'm taking them on all by myself. Um, <laughs> which predictably ended as you'd expect, where it's like, oh, look, there's click one-shotted because four lumped his focus, he's got a lock, he's got everything, and he's just disappeared. And at that point, I'm like going, okay, this game is, I cannot win this game. It, this game is, he's already up on objectives. It was the area control he He'd, I'd kind of given up that area where Bosk was to try and just say, well, listen, I'm going to ignore that and I'm going to go the other direction. Well, I think the interesting thing that happened is I won that game on the last turn because the last dice roll because I killed his Manaru. And the interesting thing about 2.5 was I just changed my win condition. So halfway through it, it was the um, area control, but halfway through it, I just went, okay, Anakin is actually going to go completely across the other direction of the board. He's going to try and kill Gamma Key. I'm going to send the other guys to kill Manaru, and hopefully it's a bit of a Hail Mary, but hopefully it actually works out. Mm-hmm. And it did, and I think that's the interesting thing is you. it was a really balanced game and the win condition, there was a different win condition for me because I was like, okay, well I can't win on objectives because of the position and I can't risk Bosk, but I can win in a different way. And I think that stood out from a mechanics point of view um, because it kind of shows what you can do with 2.5 if it works well. Um, and then my game against Nathan was brilliant. I actually have to say it was an excellent game. He, a lovely, lovely guy. Um, I've never played against him before, but really, really nice. Really, really close. It came down to, and again, this is also another thing about 2.5 it might be worth talking about, was 30 seconds earlier, our match was uh, a draw and time was called and we would have actually had to have had a road road roll to decide who was the winner. But we had actually started, but we had just basically picked up dials, but we'd started and played another round, Um, which I think is fair. Like, I'd be much happier with that. But your other round is going to take, I think it ended up taking us about 15, 20 minutes, because if you're only having four or five rounds, and if it's the last round you're having to think everything, how do I win this? Um, it takes way longer. So we ended up we ended up um, slowing down the whole tournament because they're waiting for us to finish, 
um, but there's nothing that you can do. And I think that's probably something that comes into how do you adjust 2.5 going forward? And I think you do need to do something about that because that's going to be a frequent event at these big tournaments. Yeah, and I, like I said, that is something with big tournaments, it'll be something they will have to look at because if round length are, is going to be only five or six rounds or four to six rounds, then each round takes longer. So if you have a round just starting dials down at the end of time, every round is going to be 15 minutes longer than it should be. Didn't they, um, didn't they change it after you and Nathan took so long? But no, no, it was just happened that our time was, like I said, it was about 30 seconds. In Well, to be fair, we kind of didn't realize that there would have been a road rule. So we kind of just started playing another round. So I don't know if it would have, if we should have like stopped at that point or not, but we just did another round. Um, but I don't think they changed it. I think it was just a case of we had started planning, so they just done it. But then I think definitely for the next round, because they were so um, stuck for time, I think it would have been a case of I'm not entirely sure we'd have gone into planning if it was if the, if it was in any way allowed or possible. So they they did a grand championship last weekend in the in Australia, um, and we'll talk briefly about that in a bit. Um, and they had um, a rather um, I'm going to say TO specific set of rules. Um, so. That their ruling was that if you weren't in activation when time was called, um, that you couldn't continue playing. Um, so literally, you know, you could be all dials down and literally about to flip over the first dial and they call time in the round and it's like, right. So I was in that planning phase thinking this is the last turn and I've got one, um, you know, I've got one round to win it. And then suddenly that one round gets taken away. And Nobby was having a bit of a, a moment about it on Discord in a couple of places um, <laughs> because it happened to him. And he was like, I could have won the game. I had a turn. And then the turn was taken away from me. And he was a bit, he was a bit grumpy, um, it's fair to say. But um, yeah, it, it, it's interesting because there's no, there's no formal um, ruling about you know when and what you do. Like, is it a football match where you blow the whistle and the game stops? I really like the idea of it, just you hit that time and no matter what you do, done, boom, no matter. I mean, with the with the scorekeeping going on, like, through throughout the duration of the game, it's like, you know, if you're in that frantic last five minutes of a football match where everybody's just lumping the ball into the opposition box trying to score an equaliser, and it's like, you know, one player's desperately trying to just roll dice to try and push damage onto a ship to get the points they need to win the game, and the the other players kind of going, no, let's just chill out a bit. And <laughs> I'm just going to measure all my arcs in every direction. <laughs> I mean, that that was a problem. That's Manchester yeah, United, it. isn't it? <laughs> I mean, like, so I'll just go, because sort of, obviously timekeeping and TOing, obviously, you know, is a, you know, a passionate hobby of mine. And um, <laughs> like, it's, it's such a tough one because like, you, you feel like you need to give the players equal number of turns. And if you call, so we used to have what you know what you call hard dice down. So essentially, whenever that's called, that you you and that could stop you midway through a turn. But that would be, you know, I think particularly unfair in X Wing, uh, because of the the you know the activation order we have. Um, so that wouldn't work. So do you then perhaps roll back to the last scoring? But in which point, you know, is then random game length irrelevant? Because you know you know then if if you if you if you're winning. You can just stall out 
you know six minutes or whatever you need to in that turn and then the, the score gets rolled back so it is a real tough one um i think having the ability to be able to put a dial down to then you know move to the next planning phase like i've seen people like literally almost you know speed roll their way through or choose not to shoot with ships just to end the turn to then get to the next planning phase because they know they need another turn um so i think yeah certainly saying that you move to the next activation phase could be pretty tough on people um just a question for cormac really is there so is there anything you think in particular that is adding to the increased time or is it just um, several things perhaps all together that's it's several things all together like i mean i think obviously there is there is le more setup time, but I did find that by the end of the tournament, most people were pretty good at setup. Like we kind of did get that down pretty well. Um, I think the the reality is is you've got an awful lot of ships. You've got a lot of ships moving. You've got more decision trees because you've got: Am I going to go for shooting? Am I going to go for this objective, etc.? Um, you've got ships not dying, so instead of having like i watched one get dale's games and he talked about in the last one where it was down to two ships on two ships at the end and they were just whizzing through turns because you had so much less to do um and i think because ships aren't dying you know every every round is pretty much five ships v five ships or five ships v six ships and it's just going to take time um, and of course, on top of that, then you've got every combo under the sun, and you've every ship has a shield upgrade, so it's also not going to die that quickly. So it kind of is, I think, until you fundamentally reduce the number of ships in the game, that's probably going to keep continuing. Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting one, like with with the timekeeping, and I almost I wondered if like fixed objectives, because um, I certainly find even even I'm taking longer to put my obstacles down. And like back in obviously 2.0, when it was just obstacles, you would kind of have your own pattern and you just literally go da da da. Whereas now, obviously, if you've got objectives out there, that's I think even having a subconscious effect on where you're putting your obstacles. And so that is delaying things. I wondered if perhaps in tournament play, if we, we end up with almost like uh, objective maps or like fixed objectives. Um, so that when you turn up to, to the board, you just like go well. These these each need to be like you know the one in the center and, and one in each qu uh, quarter or something like that. Generally speaking, most of the games, it, the the biggest issue with the objectives and placing everything was the time between games. Most of the time, they weren't actually starting the timer until pretty much everyone was almost in a position where they were done. Mm. So it wasn't eating into. Even then, you were still ending up with games that were, you know five turns basically or six turns or whatever it may be um I, the, the one just on, on that point the one thing that was really really good is i love the the random timer i thought that was excellent i really love the fact that you didn't know it made you all it, it almost took off the pressure of oh is this the last round next round you just you just played until whatever happened happened mm. because you you just never knew if it was going to be the last round or if you had another round or if it was going to be 72 minutes or 78 minutes it was actually good to just go all right well whatever whatever it's called it's called i actually really love that change um it's interesting what one of the things that I've, I've been thinking about um is how 
the scenario that's played in a given round against a given list impacts your ability to do well at a tournament. And clearly there's a need to take an all-rounder list. And we experienced um, in the club the difference between, you know, getting chance engagement against a list that's actually, you know, three aces and is happy versus getting, you know, salvage mission against a list of three aces and is happy. Did did you find at Adepticon that any of your games were easier or harder based on the scenario that you were playing against the list that you were drawn against that that round? Does does that question make sense? Yes. Um so I think the the answer to that question is it should have been. I mean, salvage mission probably is the best for my list because I can pick them up pretty quickly and I can be tanky enough to not drop them. Um, But interestingly, this one salvage I came up against was against the seven ship A-wing, rebel A-wings, which my list actually did do quite well against, but I think that was just more, my opponent wasn't fully aware of kind of Autoblaster Annie and what was going to happen and everything else. I kind of felt that was one of those where it's like, oh, look, I'm doing three crits to you. Your A-Wing is dead. Oh, sorry. Um, mm-hmm. But so I played against that. So salvages should be better, but I played against the seven ship. And then Nathan's list was also salvage. And both of us were just quite good against that. But he had the 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 extra crit mechanic from Anakin's Protorps. So I think in one way that was... The, the ones that I should have been good against, I came up against a list that were also good at it. So it's, from that, it's hard to know. The rest of them, it was kind of even enough. Um, I do think there are changes with the scenarios that I would do. But I suppose we can go into those. You can go into those specifically if you wanted to. I mean, yeah, it's it, we might as well move on to it now, unless you've got anything else that you want to particularly talk about about Adepticon and, and move into specific, like the, the the generals of scenarios. So, I mean, from reading around over the last kind of week or so since since we last recorded, um, I've seen a bunch of people kind of saying, you know, the scenarios are okay, but they're clearly lifted and shifted out of Marvel Crisis Protocol. They're land based scenarios. Um, where what would have been good was if there was something that was different or more space-based. Um, it'll be interesting to see if they do release more scenarios. Um, did, do you have any thoughts about changing the existing ones or about new ones? Is is that the kind of stuff you've been thinking about? Yeah, so I think we need both. I think we need new scenarios. I need. I think we need to change the existing scenarios because I don't think they're as bad as people say. But I think they do um, create a scenario. They create a, a environment where you have to take fast ships, for example, or you have to take. Um, you know, I think the perfect example that I had was one of my games. I had Contrail to one Harding around the area control objective, and I'm like, okay, well, that's two points of my ship. He's just getting that every turn. I was like, I think that shouldn't have been that easy for me to do. And I kind of feel like, for example, on the area control one, it's a good, it's actually not a bad scenario, but I think you should be only able to area control it. A ship should only be able to control that area one turn. Mm -hmm. It can't do it two turns in a row. So then it would be like forcing you to go, 
okay, well, actually, now I have to move on. There's no point in my ship just staying out of the fight forever. And that did get awkward to track that, though. Yes, indeed, and that, that's that's the downside. Is it'd be like, oh, which ship was which ship had that? Which one was it before? And and that's unfortunately where all of the solutions to the scenarios create more complication. Which is that that's my biggest issue. Is every time I look at them and go, actually, I think this would be better, but then that makes it even more complicated as to what what ends up happening. Um, I think the most sensible one for the like the area control that I've read was something like um, you score points uh, for the difference in the number of ships that you have contesting it. Um, so you can potentially score more, but um, or you only score one, uh, like or the no, sorry that was it. It was the number of objectives that you control. If you control more objectives than your opponent, you score a point. Um, rather than scoring a point for every objective that you control. And so that brings the speed of the score down. So like to, to look back at the final where Nathan went 4-1 and held those four for three turns and killed something and suddenly it was game over, he would actually be 3-0 three, three up after three turns, not um, you know 12-3 up or whatever. Um, I guess, you know, if you logically think it through, it's like, well, then the game's just going to take forever or they're more likely to draw because you're you're pulling the score closer. Um, but I think there's um, a conversation I was having with Liam earlier this week was, you know, he, he is advocating for an increase in points across the board, pretty much, leaving some two-pointers in, leaving some three-pointers in, but basically upping points um, across the board so that you end up with fewer ships in a list. And therefore, you get to play more turns. Um, and then, once that happens, you can start to finesse scoring in the scenarios. Um, and yeah, it's it's interesting because, like like yourself, Cormac, I've heard a lot of people with a lot of ideas about solving one or the other of the scenarios in in one way or another. And it stands up to approximately four seconds of scrutiny before somebody says, "What about if?" And then they go, "Oh yeah, busted. Fine." <laughs> so yeah. Um, and that, that's, I think, the fundamental is, these, and that's what I've been finding all the way through, is if you have good, balanced, as I said, knowledge of objectives and good, balanced lists, it's really, the, the scenarios at the moment as they are are perfect. You know, they're absolutely fine. It's just the problem is, is that there's too much of an opportunity to be a real imbalance between them. And then it becomes a landslide and nobody's having fun at that point. Yeah, and I think that's that's definitely become apparent in the games that I've played, like I, I played a game, um, I think last night on Hexiled against um, Chris Patrick, one of the, the US guys, and I went to nine turns, and it was genuinely either of us could have won it, and there was a you know he he banked a ship over a debris, risking the fifty fifty of it just dying because it had one health left, versus me definitely killing it um, with with a double modded shot, um, and his move meant that I got a single modded shot because I had to reposition to get the shot. Um, and then I, I didn't kill it, and then he didn't kill me, but then he killed another ship. And it was like this real kind of cycling kind of loop of win conditions, as it was like as one got taken away, it was like, oh, I can win if I do this. And it ended up, you know, 23-19 or something like that in the end, um, because I, I missed my window to win it, um, and he, he got the victory. But it felt like a, it felt like a real kind of version two swingy, you know, nine turns of either of us could win this, just depending on the choices that the other person makes. Um, and 
I want to get more games like that, but I think the only way you can get more games like that is by getting list parity. And I think that AMG needs to review the points relatively quickly in order to achieve that, because right now there's a very clear kind of, I don't know, it's like a chasm of difference between what you can play and what you should play, if that makes sense. Yeah, and it becomes very difficult then if they up the points and everything, because then you, the flip side is you do away with seven ship lists automatically. You know, you kind of almost force it, like it, you artificially force it then the other way, where it's really low numbers of ships. Um, that's really, really difficult. It, I, I don't know what the exact solution is, but... Um, increase the number of points in a squad and increase everything. And increase, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, it, I, I say it jokingly, but, you know, one of the things that we lost with the drop to 20 threat or whatever, 20 squad points, was that you lose the granularity. Mm-hmm. And there's an awful lot of ships who are, you know, four and five points that we'll never see play because there's a better option at four or five points that is a higher initiative mm-hmm. or has a better loadout value. Um, so why would you pick, you know, X-Wing number three when you can pick X-Wing number four? And you get the same initiative, but you get an extra four loadout points and a better pilot ability or a pilot ability, whatever. You know, it's, yeah, if they had a slightly bigger um, spread of points to for you to pick from, that would probably have um, have made it a little bit easier. But um, going back to, you know, how, how AMG have designed it is they've got everything essentially from Marvel Crisis Protocol. Um, and that's how you build squads in, in Marvel Crisis Protocol. So they've said, well, it works over there, so we'll we'll lift and shift it into here. I guess um, they're having 20 points, so it makes like, all the maths and things dead easy, doesn't it? You know, like working yeah. out the scores. So I, I can kind of understand on that point. And, it, and that definitely from playing it in the big tournament, that was something that I did notice. Like, I mean, I've, I've never been brilliant for that. Like, oh, no, I'm not good at it. Yeah, 99 points, and I should, like, I'm, I've, if, I've probably lost more games than I should have by not paying attention to it. Whereas when it's 20 points, it makes life an awful lot easier. Um, yeah. Now, whether that, that might not be a good thing for the game, but it is definitely a good thing for actually when you're playing, knowing where you are. It's the it's, it's the, the thing that they said they were trying to achieve, which was to make it more accessible for newer players, is that having, you know, that's a six-point ship, that's an eight-point ship, that's a two-point ship. Yeah, okay, I can easily count up where I need to get my points in order to win this game. Um, if you're saying to somebody, you know, that's a 16-point ship, but you'll score four points if you kill it, um, again, just takes you back to the, the difficult world of um, first and second edition maths um, on the table. So um, it's it's an interesting thing. Um, I do think the final should be chance encountered. I think if you were going to, if anything that came out of it is, I think it's a. They should just set it. I know they're trying to just do it randomly, but I think the final should just be chance encounter. That's every final. It's always going to be that, even if it was the semi-final. It doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. That's a good idea. I like that. Yeah, it it definitely means that there's. Um, I mean, it's a, it's an interesting one because it it means that you can't lean too heavily into the objective style of list thinking well you know if i only play one chance encounter then i'll go five and one in swiss and i'll be fine um versus you know if i if i get to the final and i can't and i'm bad at chance encounter i'm going to get dumpstered by the other person but you know 
it goes that that's down to list building choices isn't it and and having the ego to think that if you get to the final <laughs> the other bit of it um i mean i guess the, the kind of the natural next thing to talk about and there's something tim was saying that we should maybe discuss is why are rebels and republics so good at the minute is it just points value of ships is it I was going to say, is it a volume of choice? But it's not, because Republic is quite a small faction compared to Rebels and, and Scum and Empire. Um, have you got any any firm views on that? I'll, I'll ask Ben first, because he's been he's been being good and being quiet today. For <laughs> I've not got Liam to gear me on. <laughs> Carl Max saying really interesting things, so no one wants to hear my nonsense. <laughs> um, I, I mean, obviously, the, the Jedi are good because of Force, aren't they? Like that, yeah. That's probably the main thing that makes them good. They're fast. And they're not going to die if you take the uh, the actions. Probably the similar sort of thing with rebels, though. But a lot of the the ships that we're seeing are chunky boys, aren't they? You know, they can they can get away with maybe not having a a mod for a turn. <clears throat> and also, trajectory simulators are disgusting. Yeah, yeah. But have you, have have you got any firm opinions on it, Cormac? Yeah, well, like I. So I think there's a couple of things. Like, I mean, obviously, force is really, really good. Although I think the interesting part of it that people think, I see a lot of people saying, oh, Jedi, really good force. You can you modify your range, zero shot. And it's like, which is good. But most of the time, the Jedi range, zero shot is only two dice. Most of the time, they're only CLTs. So they're not doing anything that helpful. But where the force is really, really helpful is, I think, the, the, the core of action economy which you really need for objectives and survivability, which again, you also need for objectives. If you're spending an action taking a scramble, a lot of time that is leaving you vulnerable. So we, we see at different times we saw, like at the very start, we played Oiken and, um, and the six ties or whatever amount of ties it was. And that seemed really, really good until you realized that actually these ties have taken an action to take this objective. I'm just going to one-shot them. They're actually then very vulnerable to just dying. Um, and I think what we're seeing with Jedi and Rebels is they're survivable, they've got action economy, and they've got a couple of fast ships in their um, list that can zoom and take an objective and probably not die that easily. So it, it's they're the perfect salad i suppose lists before even 2.5 started you rebels and republic had a lot of lists that you could build we were never that strong but they were good at doing everything and that utility is really really good now in 2.5 um and i think that's why they're they're showing up so well is because you can have something that's fast but you can also have something that's going to be durable and it's going to stay there for slightly different reasons but the core is mobility, action economy, and durability. I think if you've got those three in your list, you're sorted. It's it's interesting that you talk about salad type of lists, because one of the factions that's historically done really well with salad type of lists is First Order. Um, you know, a bit of this, a bit of that, a bit of Revis, maybe a you know, a, a bit of an ace like a blackout or a, if you're feeling expensive a Kylo. Um we've not seen much from First Order. I know we, we mentioned um, Don Williams and um, Chris last week, who both 
you know, did you know one went four four one one and the other one went five and one and, and got first uh, top first order, um, and they were basically you know leaning on bomb damage because they were like, well, auto damage it's the best way to push hurt through on those nippy Jedi. You know, if you can boost in the systems phase, you're chucking out um, electro chaff missiles and things like that, shutting down alpha strikes as well. Um, so, I I think. Like looking at those those Swiss Army knife, those salad kinds of lists, as you say, um, the, the ships that Rebels and particularly Rebels, but also Republic, have got available to them mean that they can you can count to twenty very very easily with five or six very very strong pieces, or even seven potentially, um, very strong individual pieces. Um, I think that while other factions like First Order and Imperials particularly are good at that, um, they're just not quite as good because they don't have easy access to that maneuverability linked to the action economy so the the big thing about grabbing objectives for me is the ability to boost onto them or barrel roll onto them um and there's a limited number of ways that you can do that so you can have the system phase reposition boosts on a-wings and silencers and interceptors um where you can pre-boost to five straight to grab it with an action but otherwise the only ways really to get a fast move into a reposition to then take an action is Jedi using fine-tuned controls or spending six points on afterburners. Um, you know, there's a few other ships that can do stuff, but it's not common. And I think that's the thing that really just like gives Jedi the edge is that you know they can do a too hard and then boost off and grab an objective where everybody else goes, well, I'll do a too hard and I'll not shoot this turn. And then I'll do the next move and I'll not shoot that turn either. And then I can come back around again to get involved in the fight. And the Jedi can do that in one in one turn, basically, before they get back into the fight again. So, um, yeah, it's 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 a bit crazy good, to be honest. Um, but I, I, I do think, we, just when you're talking about First Order, I do think, like, with First Order and even to a degree with Scum, Scum are a bit more limited because they basically have to take... Ahav, Manaru, and Cad Solus, and then you've got basically ten points, ten points to play with. Um, but I, I think there's people, and particularly the first order, people haven't explored them as much yet, and I don't think they're necessarily going to be good. But like, people will start to if people see Jedi everywhere, people will start taking Bosk, and Bosk just one shots Jedi. Like he would just look at them and go. Okay, right. You are just dead, um, and I think there will. Whilst I don't think there's going to be that much balance, it's not like if you let it long enough, things are going to be fine. I do think scum hasn't probably been explored enough. Fo, I think we'll start seeing people going, "Oh, this isn't actually that bad," and I think it'll start. We'll see a bit more of those, um, but I'm just not sure they have the same options as. You know, a Revis at two points is, can fly forward, but he can't boost. He can't then take a... He hasn't got the action and efficiency. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he gets a cheeky free target lock, maybe, but that doesn't really True. help him to stay yeah. alive. That's, no. <laughs> that's the main problem. Um, cool. Um, it's been really interesting to talk... I was just going to say, we should maybe talk about um, the Grand Championships that happened in Australia. So um, this was the... Um, they had one of those um, kits from the pre-COVID times. Um, so it had the big dice and it had the, the white tray with the orange templates and it all looks very nice and everything. Um, and I'm not sure if it was 
I don't think it was what was played for at Adepticon, was it? Or it might have been the thing that I Nathan think it, I think it is essentially the Grands kit that we were yeah. playing for. I think it was the yeah. same thing. So it was the same kit. It landed in Australia prior to COVID, basically, and it's been kept um, in a box um, from all uh, from all discussions with people that we know out there. Um, and everybody's known it existed, but nobody was allowed to look at it or touch it to know what was in it. Um, so everybody's seen pictures of the stuff that's in it because it was all the stuff that Alex Watkins was going to give away in his raffle and then wasn't allowed to. Um, <laughs> because people were going to play for it at Adepticon. Um, so... Uh, Anyway, the, at this event, there was, um, I'm just going to have a quick look. There was uh, some 30, 30 players um, turned up at it. So um, all of the X-Wing players in Australia, um, possibly in some New Zealanders. Um, and it was won by, check this out, Resistance. After all of our discussions, it was oh, no, won one, by... no wonder you wanted to talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was won by a, a five-ship resistance list. So, you know, it's again count, count into 20 with decent ships. So he has Kaz, Ziono in a fireball, Temin Wexley, so Snap, Boosty Snap, M in a T-70, Kai Thrinali, who's the 4.T-70, along with J. Chris Tubbs, the other 4.T-70, um, and then Merle Cobbin. So two I-1s uh, and three I-4s. Um, bunch of upgrades scattered around resistance-style stuff, so M9GA, R68, things that give rerolls whole bunch of action economy in there and um and uh, it was flown by a guy called Travis Carraro um and he's won the event with that um and then second was uh, Aaron Walcom who flew separatist alliance so for all the rebels and republic and everything that were uh, going to tear the whole place up um two factions that people have pretty much written off so general grievous with the, the standard outmaneuver Impervium plating hull upgrades all this one. Um then two precise hunter vulture droids um with ion cannons and hull upgrades. Uh oh sorry, three of them, and then two bombardment drone hyena class droid bombers with colonets and uh cluster mines. So tons of stuff. <clears throat> um and he came uh, yeah, he came second. Um it's worth shouting out to um guy called Dan Smith who is known on the internet as Gadwag and he's the guy who <laughs> develops the um the little uh, droid bot that everybody uses to pull lists through into Discord um when you're talking about them. Um he went five oh drop um after Swiss. <laughs> um so he was flying he was flying basically Nathan's list uh, but a little bit different. So he had Plo and Mace in Ether Sprites, then Barris and Contrail and Anakin in the Y Wing. So he had the um but he didn't have Shattering Shot or anything like that. So I say it's like Nathan's I suppose totally different. Um but it's five five Republic lists. Um he went five and oh in Swiss um and then dropped because um his name's Dan and that's what people call Dan do. So oh, so looking um, forward to telling me he was going by in a car. Uh, no, no, but um, yeah, Bob Bob still hasn't forgiven Dan Slob for doing that at nationals back in the back in the Jumpmaster meta. But uh, yeah, so any any opinions on those uh, those lists, that stuff? Any? Are you just like, oh, whatever? It's crazy. It was only thirty players. It's like a store championship. Whatever. It's just a strange. I think it's really interesting. Again, I wonder what the thing that I've found when I've been going even just to uh, some of our local places have kind of started up and we've gone to play a couple of games there and um because 2.5 is so new and because objectives are so new and because um 
nobody's trying to everyone's trying to figure out the puzzle i think a lot of people approach it in a different way and if you're playing against people who are doing it like if you're playing against people who are going i don't really care about objectives i'm just going to shoot you but now that i've got all these extra tools and toys and auto damage and everything else and it's really cool then that's what ends up happening and i wonder if with I wonder if that's we're going to find that is I suppose people will look look at tournaments and and start you know replicating what Nathan does, but I wonder if uh, there's an element of that where locally you'll see some people who are like, oh well, we never win on objectives because we're always just shooting at each other. Yeah, I think it's going to be interesting when the local metas settle in and to see what happens. Um, I think there is also the the point which kind of connects into what you're saying is that people are going to go to these tournaments and they're going to be like well the last thing i did well with was a four or five shift resistance list and i know how to use that so i'm just going to take that and rely on my ability to pilot those ships and my ability as a gamer to like play the game and win the game rather than thinking well i'm going to take this busted thing but i mean we're going to board in brum at the weekend um at least the three of us. Um, plus, I think they've sold out actually, so they've sold all thirty-two yeah. tickets. So it's going to be a it's going to be a great day. Um, but I'm kind of looking at my options and thinking, well, if I want to do well, I've got to take Rebel or Republic. And then it's a case of, well, what do I take? Do I just take Nathan's list? Do I just take, you know, the thing that I've been using that doesn't have Anakin and a Y wing in it, which is Jedi? Or do I think, you know, actually, I've been enjoying that nonsense rebel list i've been flying that's got shara Bane and arc in it and it's <laughs> huge amounts of fun um i'm not going to win the tournament with it but i'm going to really enjoy myself what am i going for um and Is then that the one bit, with the little commandos uh yeah i can add those in or i can put other better upgrades on does, the, does, does it have arc. does it have ursa ren uh, it does yeah uh, but then it's not fun for anybody else <laughs> no no it's not fun for anybody else but playing against Rich isn't very fun. No, I try to make it as bad as possible. <laughs> um, no, he knows uh, I'm yeah. lying because I play him all the time. <laughs> it's um, I think the the Mandalorian commandos are actually great fun. They're they're really interesting to put on the map, and they've got two health, so they're not actually that bothered about proton bombs and seismic charges and stuff. They just kind of say whatever, um, and, and take them. But um, yeah, it's um, it's just kind kind of it just leverages Shara Bay with them. Um, her ability to spend a lock to add a focus and you take Ursa Ren on her and then she gets a lock from somewhere on the thing that she wants to shoot and then she has a focus and if you roll all paint happy days you do a five dice attack or a four dice attack and if you don't roll all paint you've got a lock so it's fine um so yeah is that plus a bunch of other good rebel ships um that I've been enjoying using um for a bit but then another bit of me is like well I've been enjoying using the rep the Jedi as well, but then I'm like, if I try hard with Jedi and do badly, I'll feel super bad. That's the. <laughs> but it's also really, it's going to be really easy to not do. Like most tournaments now are going to be, and I think this is also relevant, like from a uh, logistics point of view. Like in most tournaments now, you are having a graduated cut and you are having a X and one makes it. And it's very easy to have two bad games. And previously, you might have made the cut anyway because so many four twos or a third of the four twos usually did mm. um whereas a lot of big tournaments now it's going to be easy enough to go oh well actually i've lost two games that's 
that's done. That's that. Yeah. So if you're, I, I think there's going to be a bit more randomness from that point of view because, which is where I like having the faction prizes because it means at least you've got something to keep going for. Yeah, I guess if you know, or if you're at the UK Games Expo, you go, oh well, I've gone one too. I've paid money to be at this Games Expo. I'm going to go and look at other things that aren't X-wing. Um, you know, but that's the the advantage of playing at an expo and the disadvantage of playing at an expo as well, I guess. But um, yeah. yeah, it is. Um, I mean, if you go somewhere to play X-wing, I think Board and Brum. Well, I don't know. It's 32 players, so it could be anything from four rounds of Swiss, and then we all go to the pub for a nice meal and a bit of a drink. Um, to four rounds of Swiss in a four-player cut or five rounds of Swiss. So who knows what Adam's going to run. But because um, we're going to a, an industrial estate on the edge of Wolverhampton, I'm guessing that we're all going to be playing the five games, whatever happens, or dropping <laughs> and sitting miserable in the corner, <laughs> just wishing, <laughs> wishing we'd made different choices. Um, cool. Um, I think we can probably, unless we want to talk, Ben, did you want to tell us what you're going to take to board and Brum? Have you not decided yet? I'm not decided. It's going to be probably be rebels, though. Is it? Um, I've got an imperial list that I was playing around with, but there's too many crit mechanics for not having shields. I think. Yeah. Um, All those interceptors. Yeah. Well, I think it's it's okay, but like I say, there's just there's just too many crits going around. Although Goran is really, really, really good. Goran was something I had not paid attention to his errata before going to Adepticon, and I was like, going, hold on, what? He does what now? I didn't know his card had changed until they started talking about it. Yeah, and I'm like going, oh, what? Hold on, that's really, really good. And he's four points. Oh, okay. So, yeah, I think that helps those Interceptors stay alive because pretty much every Empire list in Adepticon was Goran and Nash. And it's like, well, it doesn't matter if they die because Nash will make them shoot. And Goran is probably making sure that they're not going to die because he's taken away a target lock on them and taken away, giving them a, an evade. So that is really, really, if you were going down that road, that is really, really good. Yeah, that was the um, that was the thing that Matt was using on Tuesday night. Um, it was just he had a bunch of um, tie X ones and all sorts of different kind of imperial salad, and um, he was just like, "Now Goran does this," and I was like, "Oh, right." Okay. It's got a massive range on it as well. Yeah. yeah. It just slings it just slings it. It's a three it's three range three, isn't it? Yeah, just yeah, not three. range three. Yeah. Now if you wanted to be a conspiracy theorist, you would say, I think a lot of playtesters play Empire. <laughs> <laughs> or, or or like Empire to do well at the very least. Yeah. Um yeah. yeah. I mean it, it it is nice for me, it's nice and I I've I've discussed this with um Ben and a couple of other people is it's nice to actually be on the factions that are in the ascendance in in the meta when <laughs> you know you only play three factions and the last time it happened i had a misplaced sense of honor about not wanting to play rebel beef and wanting to play something <laughs> different want to play my own list so i think this time i'm just going to fully lean into the degenerate filth that's available in mm. rebels and republic and play that until it gets until it gets fixed well um, you see that that's the problem is there's an impending sense of doom i keep looking at going oh great at what point now is like how how long does my Anakin Autoblaster last? Not long, I would suspect. I hope yeah. not, because I re- that is really not fun to play against. No, no, I agree. I don't have any problem with anyone using it, because like I said many times, I used to fly Nimiranda, so I've got no room to talk. But then I, I knew that Nimiranda shouldn't be around, but I wasn't going to hobble myself by not using it. 
But yeah, that that old blaster thing needs to go. <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's um it's particularly strong given the um the need for crit mechanics, um, but also the fact that a lot of lists at the minute are comprised of relatively low health ships because they're the cheap ones. Um, so you can stick a a two or three point low health ship into a list. Um, and then you know, Anakin and or Obi in an ETA just go and feast on it. Um, you can even do it with um, Ayala Secura if you don't want Obi. Um, you can get Ayala in there, and I think she's even a point cheaper than Obi, so you can get the auto, uh, the auto blaster marksmanship on her, and she's still an I five Jedi and an Etta. Um, so you know, just depends on how you want to build your list out and what you can do with it. But um, I mean, there's there's stuff that people will tell you is definitely broken and needs to be nerfed. And I played Ursa Ren against a few different people over the course of the last couple of weeks. And inevitably, after about two or three turns, they go, wait, what? And I'm like, yep. And they go, no. And I go, yep. And they go, really? And they're like, mm-hmm. <laughs> and then they read the card and they go, and she can keep two locks. And I'm like, yes, as well. <laughs> it's just it's just bonkers. And I mean, one of the, the combo that I was using her with, first of all, was with Dutch with an R3. So you get three locks from one, three useful locks from one action on a Y-Wing, um, which is just insane, you know, because he gets two, passes one to somebody else, and then Ursa Ren gets to take a free lock on wherever she wants it. Um, and yeah, we, we talked about it last week because um, Travis Johnson got um, cut with Chewbacca on a Falcon with Ursa Ren, Bistan, and Baze Malbus. So he basically had two double modded I think it was two double modded three dice attacks from Chewbacca and Luke doing proton torpedoes to soften them up before that um, and then a couple of A-wings to capture objectives and it was just like I think the world's woken up to what Ursa Ren can actually do um, and everybody's now discussing you know how do we nerf that and it's like well you either put it up in points or you change the text on the card um, by saying you know um enemy ship locks or any i mean there's a bunch of different ways that you can like downpower it a little bit but at the minute it's it's almost um an auto include on an arc that's got six six loadout value um in rebels um is it must specifically say it's ursa ren rebels because there's some really bad ursa ren cards out there but the one in rebels is really good um <laughs> so yeah cool um i think we can start to wrap it up there so um cormac have you any shout outs or anything that you want to do or any any big yells that you want to give no i'm just like to be honest um just I suppose thanks to everyone who practiced with me before adepticon Th- thanks to everyone who played uh games in adepticon it was really i said it was really fun like the opponents were really good and um it was and even the droid soccer we did and the duos and the aces high and all that kind of superfluous stuff was also really fun. There's just lots of good people there. Um, and uh, I suppose thanks to Dale for traveling as usual. Um, he's, just, so... he's just arrived to say you're welcome. You're, you're welcome. <laughs> I've just arrived. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, we're, I tuned in just for the thank yous. Yes. <laughs> yes. We're, yeah. we're, we're, just we're, just to you? hear your own thank you. <laughs> where are you this week dale where, why have you gone traveling without me God, well it's not x-wing it's skiing in avoriaz so not not skiing no not not x-wing 
I'm afraid. Maybe I'll I, I, I missed a trick. I missed a trick as a kid not getting into being a joiner or a carpenter because, you know, Avori has this week, Chicago last week. Where are you going next week? <laughs> oh, mate, the, the thing is, though, you, you have this thing called evenings and weekends, which me and Cormac have not had for a long time. <laughs> Cool. Um, anything else, um, Cormac? No, I think that's pretty much it. I think, um, yeah, overall, it was just my, my, the thing I suppose I wanted to just leave again with everyone is just, just play some games. And even if it's not great at the start, just try and kind of go, do you know what? Let's balance it up a bit. Let's not play the most broken stuff possible. Let's just actually balance it up a bit and actually have some fun because it is fun. Yeah. Um, ben, have you any shout-outs? Uh, just remind everyone that they can sign up for the Siftaker League. Um, the ne- the draws next week, like the first one. Cool. Thank you. Um, I don't have any shout-outs. Dale, welcome to the podcast. You've arrived literally as we're saying goodbye to everybody. <laughs> is there is there anything anything that you wanted to, to talk to us about? Any pearls of wisdom you want to dispense? No, I'm sure I'm sure that uh, Cormac's covered everything. I just want to thank Cormac for travelling with me. <laughs> uh, you like best buddies you like the kids walking to and from school on trips with your high vis on holding hands making sure you don't get lost absolutely I so the, 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 world. the 186 joke is Dale and Cormac in the morning which if you watch community <laughs> makes sense but yeah, it's it like the, that is uh, <laughs> that, that's always the kind of case of oh where should we go here oh who wants to go Dale you want to go yeah grand do, do either of you want to? Do either of you want to sing it? Because no. <laughs> <laughs> that could be the outro if you if you'd give it a blast on it. Oh, I've got another shout out actually. Well, not really a shout out, but just calling someone. Um, do you remember we played during in lockdown against the um, Firecast guys? Yes. And they lost, and there was supposed to be a forfeit. Yes. I just want to point out that they still not done it, and that makes them cowards. They were going to sing live on their stream one Friday night, weren't they? I don't care. They've still not done it. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I was, la- I was laughing at um, what Tim's done in the uh, the lists on the Siftaker League because I remember he wanted to do something. I've just looking through. <laughs> I've done nothing. Nothing to see. Don't you worry. <laughs> <laughs> so um, we're going to be back um, next week. We're going to do a bit of a wrap up on the. Um, the Boarding Brum event that we're all going to go to. Um, so we'll be we'll be talking about that, talking about our games and how we did. Um, whoever does the best will get to talk the most. So hopefully for everybody's sanity, it won't be me or Ben. <laughs> and we'll talk to the actual winner instead. Um, You're welcome. But, uh... <laughs> <laughs> so um, just uh, thanks to Cormac for joining us um, and to Dale as well briefly. Um, and it's goodbye from me and goodbye from Ben. Bye. Goodbye from Cormac. Bye-bye. Goodbye from Dale. Bye. Since not let Dale say hello it, as well. Bye-bye. <laughs> 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 he didn't get to do it himself last week. We had to mock up his accent and everything for it, and it didn't work out too well. That um, was – I heard that after because I left, and I'm disappointed. That was poor accent. I'm not sure. I, I actually thought it was pretty good. <laughs> shocking, <laughs> shocking. <laughs> I wasn't sure who I was listening to. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll say goodbye from Tim as well. Goodbye from me as well. <laughs> Cheers all. Speak to you soon. Bye-bye.
I won't introduce you at the start then. You can chip in if you feel like it. A bit harsh. Yeah. <laughs> he just basically said, hey, hey. I would never say that. <laughs> no, it was because it just involved editing. That's all. <laughs> this bit's not fine. It, it, it doesn't record at the start. I, I have to get all my swearing out. And he's the producer. Don't swear at the producer. Or he makes you sound like a clown, even more so. Ah, uh, jokes on him. I do it myself. <laughs> right. Shall I start then?